Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome into the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check us every day on Dash Radio. That's the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Download the Dash Radio app. Search for Nothing But Net. You'll find us every day from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern. Also, check out FiveReasonsSports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, ReasonsSports.com. For all of Brady Hawk's latest takeaways, you can find those on the site as soon as the Heat games end. Also, a bunch of new Dolphins coverage up there. We're doing Marlins stuff every day. Our guy David Fernandez is putting up all the Marlins coverage and our podcast, Three Arts Per Carry, Five Rings, Canes, Balls, Cast, Light Skin Opinions, Shulable Podcast, and more. And our YouTube channel, we're getting close to 4,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. Help us get to our goal of 10,000 by the end of the year, and we will continue to put up new shows. Our friend Kylie Wang has a new show, who is, which is starting this week. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. One of them is the Gonzalez and Tybor Law Firm. You can find them at bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. You know, a recent report showed that over 45% of people use their stimulus checks to repay debt. This is money that could have and should have gone to cover living expenses. Even before the pandemic, household debt in this country, especially credit card debt, was going up and it was hurting families and small businesses. Nobody likes to consider bankruptcy as an option for dealing with your debt, but bankruptcy is one of the few laws that exist to actually help consumers. So before you make another debt payment that you can't afford or you do something drastic, like empty out your 401k and take a penalty or borrow money from friends and family, why don't you talk to a professional about your options? Contact Gonzalez and Tybor. It's bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. The phone number is 954-378-8184. Consultations are always free and can be done by telephone or video conference. This is a local law firm. They've helped hundreds of clients get the fresh start that they deserve. So if you're having any issues with debt, don't hesitate. The phone number, 954-378-8184. Bankruptcy is good for you.com. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, aka Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here on Five on the Floor. Again, you can find us every day on Dash Radio, nothing but net channel, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Today's floor plan, I've got Greg Sylvander. I've got Alf on Sydney. You can follow Greg at Greg Sylvander. You can follow Alf, of course, at Alf954. Alex Toledo will be with us later in the week. We've also got an episode coming up. Greg and I recorded an interview earlier today with the high school coach of Duncan Robinson at Exeter. And that was a lot of fun. So um, we're going to, we're going to play that at some point this week, likely after the heat complete, what will probably be a sweep Monday, Monday, six 30, they play the Indiana Pacers. We're not going to devote a whole bunch of time to that today. Cause we have a special guest. I think this is the fourth time on a five reasons platform. Is that right, George? The fourth time I've had you, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Well, I was on with him the other day. This is George Sedano. You can follow him. He's one name like Madonna. Follow him at Sedano on Twitter. Yeah, I think four sounds about right, Ethan, though I am a little disappointed that I can't see you on this podcast and I can see everyone else. Yeah, nobody can see me. That's, that's how I roll. And uh, I, you know, I get to see Alf and Greg. I, I, look, I, I saw you for an hour and a half the other night. You did this uh, Zoom party. If you're not following, how often, I appreciate are, you doing that. How often are you doing these, George? After uh, games? Maybe like twice a week. Like just twice a week, just because um, on local radio in L.A., when the Lakers play, I'm off because the games are on at the same time. So Uh, it just gives me a reason to gas bag, you know, for, you know, I I don't lose uh, I don't lose uh, practice, you know. I, I was on with Amin. Um, uh, what's Amin doing with that beard, by the way? Just he's just letting it go. That's just Levitard calls it hobo chic. It's horrible. It's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. Listen, I'm listen. I'm not doing much better over here. I'm not gonna lie. Hey, yo, um, but he's committed to it, though. 
it's listen he has embraced the the aesthetic that you can you can do that right now in the pandemic exactly you can look yeah. like an insane person and pass but i feel like barbershops are opening more and more like it's less and less acceptable as every day passes and he but he's holding on for dear life and i respect it but it's terrible it looks terrible. and would you it, it, it is bad i i sent him a picture the other day of uh cornell west do you know who that is yes 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 the professor the uh the law professor yeah yes. and i was just like accurate <laughs> um and and I was just like, if this is what you're striving for, you're not accomplishing it because it works for him. It doesn't work for you. No, no. The, the, I mean, it means smart, but there's got to be that kind of level of intelligence to pull that off. Like, I mean, Cornell West is one of the smartest people on the planet. So uh, for sure. Uh, which, by the way, which of the, uh, was that the Kamen Kamensky brothers I was on with? The Kaminsky brothers? The, which, which of the Kamenetsky. brothers was I on with? Kamenetsky. Kamenetsky. You, know, you, you should be able to, I mean, for real, you're not going to, you don't know how to pronounce Kamenetsky? Like what's going Kamenetsky on here? Kumpo. I don't know what I, I mean, that's a, I'm just saying, you're you're of, you're a scholar. Law. You went to Johns Hopkins. You can't read somebody's name and 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 know how to like you know pronounce it. Well, I I've always appreciated that you use the Johns instead of the John. That that's nice. That most people don't actually do that. So that that shows. Well, I know I I, I yeah yeah. Yeah. I've actually visited the campus, so I'm familiar with Yeah, what, I mean, uh, George W. Bush came and said John, and he was booed off the stage. So, that, I mean, that's not the only reason. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was one of the reasons. Anyway, all right, let's get to it. There's a reason you're here. There's a reason you're here. We're not going to devote 30 minutes to this, I promise you, okay? But, and, and I know Alex doesn't like me using funeral analogies right now, and I apologize for this, but- uh, Yeah, that's use, not, it's not, a, it's not the right time. It, it's, not, it's not the right time. <laughs> But the yeah. Sixers are dead. Okay, so let's just let's just start there. All right. So from a sports perspective, from a sports yes, perspective, the, yes, their season yes, is over. Yes. They have been yeah. swept. They are gone. People were resurfacing tweets from all over the place, including Greg resurfacing mine about Jimmy Butler a year and a half ago, where the circumstances were different. Okay, so not my phone is still blowing up, but the Sixers went from a team that were supposed to be this season a contender to go to the finals potentially win a championship to a team that got swept out of the first round i know they didn't have ben simmons but mm -hmm. also a team that at this stage of the quote-unquote process was supposed to be a perennial contender and now they appear to be in blow-up stage george i will let you go first before al for life jump on you no you don't have to just let them ask me the questions well, okay. I mean, we can right, talk al, about it i don't care go, go ahead what 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 happened here, George, in your view? So why I would you not rather be the Sixers? I so look, here's the reality of what happened here with this franchise. They entrusted the franchise after Brian Colangelo had his situation, right? If we all remember, um, I believe his wife had three burner accounts, if I recall correctly, um, where they were criticizing Sam Hinkie and like players. And I, I don't remember all the details, but whatever. Long story short, the Colangelo family had taken over for Hinky, and look, I'm a, I, I think Hinky, um, while being radical uh, in his approach, I think that I was surprised the NBA stepped in the way they did um, with Hinky, and I still, it's really one of the few things I've disagreed on with Adam Silver. Like, if the owners of the team are willing to do that, that's them. That's on them. That's not for you to step in in that situation. It's literally the only thing I disagree with. Um, but anyway. So he's out, Colangelo's in, and look, Colangelo, like any GM, um, you know, including his father, right, uh, has hits and misses, but way more hits than misses. And he was a two-time executive of the year in Toronto prior to arriving in Philadelphia. And, you know, he built a team, if we all recall, that beat the Heat in five that had a ton of shooting around it. In J.J. Redick, clearly, Marco Bellinelli, Ersan Ilyasova, both moves made at the deadline, by the way, uh, or in the buyout market. And they built a good team, or he built a good team that year on the fly uh, to add to what people thought was a promising young core, particularly a young duo, right? Which is what we have today in the NBA. And then he's out. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Elton Brand is in who's never been a GM in his entire life. Now, look, Elton Brand um, did pull off the Butler deal. You got to give him credit for that. But really, e everything outside of that was a disaster. He lost oh, he all his shooting, right? All the shooting was gone. Like, he tried to replace Ersan Ilyasova and Marco Bellinelli and J.J. Reddick's production with Glenn Robinson III and Alex Burks, okay? Like, that's what he tried to do. Um, 
So, yeah, and then the Brett thing with Jimmy, as we all now know. Now, now look, that stuff is new as far as the public. That stuff had been heard of. I'm sure Jimmy's even hinted at it in Miami. You know what I'm saying? About how much Spo is different than other coaches he's had or whatever. Um, and a lot of that was a shot at Brett. I mean, we all know the story that was out there about him and Brett in a film session. That was, that was public knowledge, too. So that shouldn't be a huge surprise. But I love the way that they're scapegoating Brett, just for an aside for a second. Like, oh, yeah, that's the reason that this happened. Because Jimmy's not here because Brett couldn't get along with him. Not because the roster construction sucks. How obvious was that, though? I'm sorry to keep going on the aside, but how obvious was that was a leak from Elton Brand? <laughs> like, oh, my God. Come on. I mean, it was ridiculous. Like, that's why I tweeted it. I'm like, really? You're going to scapegoat the coach on the day you're about to get swept? Like, that is like, you know, I mean, you couldn't – you couldn't be more obvious in that situation. And to bring up Jimmy, that was the thing that was fun. Like the fact that Jimmy was the, oh, yeah. what, it was what, what the whole, it, it, the problem is we don't have Jimmy Butler anymore. And the reason we don't have Jimmy Butler anymore is because of Brett Brown. Like it was so right. obvious and transparent. Yeah. It's sure. embarrassing. Well, now, embarrassing. Em embarrassing is the right word for sure. But it's not, but it's not just that. Then the heat, the heat. Okay, and I love what they're doing on social they media. They tweeted like, the Jimmy appreciation thing. Yeah, I saw that. Playoff Jimmy appreciation day. Yeah. Okay? At the buzzer. At the buzzer. Like, right. let's not forget the timing <laughs> of that tweet. Oh, they yeah. were sitting there waiting to hit, hit send. That At was instruction buzzer. from Pat. <laughs> yeah. By the way, um, Philly, who I didn't bet on in one or pick to win in any game in that series, um, I – I had the Celtics minus seven today and lost that because of that ridiculous Embiid three. I'm not necessarily thrilled with them on a number of different fronts uh, today. But either way, um, back to the story. So when, basically when Colangelo had to step down and you put in a guy who's never run an organization before, and then, look, I, I did a number of their games over the last year or so. And there was a clear disconnect between them and Brett at this point. Like, they had tuned him out, and it happens. After a certain amount of years, it happens. Like, you just tune them out, and you just need a fresh voice, especially if you're not winning the way you're expected to win, right? So, and the roster is, is more challenging. So, that means those guys' production on the floor together has gotten worse since that year where they beat the Heat in five. And then because there's been less and less shooting, less and less spacing for them to work in. Um, and then in this series, once Simmons was out, he's the one guy that guards Tatum, like, and guards him well. So once he was out, that's why I'm glad that the ESPN.com picks came up right as that news broke, because I went, oh, I mean, I gave them one game because I thought maybe Embiid would have like a 50-point performance, but it was Celtics in five when I had to pick for .com because that was it. But really, that's the reality of it, is that they've had a number of opportunities to get this right. Um, Colangelo set them up. The only mistake Colangelo made there in Philly was the Fultz thing. Um, and by the way, even that, like at the time, if you would have told me, talking to the people that I spoke to in the Pac-12 that competed against Fultz before the craziness of his shot, they would have all said, yeah, He's a number one pick for sure. There's no doubt. Like, he's a top two or three pick. Like, he can score at ease. Um, you know, he's, he's tougher on defense than you think, but he has to – he had to take on a bigger scoring load. So, anyway, the Colangelo stuff, that's really his only mistake. Well, well, but George, the rest of the stuff that, he did you right. Go on, before you go on, Magic Johnson said that Markel Fultz had the best workout he'd ever seen. So, I, I, I'm not going to – Right. I, we can revisit it and say that you ended up, you know, passing on Tatum and giving up the extra first-round pick. But, but, yeah, I mean, I blame them more – honestly for the picks before the Okafor pick when it was pretty clear that Okafor's game was not going to translate uh, to start him at the next level. I mean, he was slow with the back to the basket game in a league that was going away from that. Um, sure. And, and trading but, but here's holiday thing. for Noel, that was a hinky move, right? Yeah, I but, mean, but that's here's another the thing, one. Ethan, he was, well, but he was just stripping it down at that point. Like that seemed fairly obvious. And you, you know, Drew holiday is a nice player, but Drew holiday is not like, getting you over the hump to win a championship. Drew, Drew Holiday was 25 at the time, George. I, mean, I, I get even. it, but you, would, you, had, I had, you hadn't seen enough to know if he was a difference maker or not by 25 years old? I, I think he is a difference maker, is he not? He'd certainly oh. make a difference with the Heat right now. <laughs> I don't, I don't think right. so. I, don't, I disagree on Drew Holiday. I think Drew Holiday is a good player. I think if Drew Holiday is one of your top three players, you're not a championship team. 
I disagree with that. Okay. Well, I'm just telling I mean, you. I I'm telling three, you based on three Alf, or four. Three or four. If he's Alf, the third or fourth best you, player, I think I'm you could telling be you based team. on what other GMs around the league think about him. Well, I, what what I would say is the Sixers could have used a guy like Drew, but I the, the Drew thing that's you know that's the thing we're talking the things we're talking about right now that's kind of ancient history, right? And the Fultz thing, it's not about drafting Fultz; it's about failing to develop him and giving up on him. I no, think no, 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 Alf, Alf, the guy I malfunctioned. Think, like it just there's there's like even in Orlando they're having a tough time figuring that out. Like right. he malfunctioned. But right, hold on, I think we should shelve all the transaction talk because truthfully, like this is the thing. And and George, you alluded to it when you talked about that they switched from Colangelo to a GM who had no prior experience. Pat Riley was ousted three times in a row by a lower seated New York Knicks team, and Mickey Harrison didn't oust him. Um, and didn't make that reactionary move where you bring in a new guy just for the sake of bringing in a new guy. And I think that like that kind of stems like that, the inspiration behind that is kind of where we're going with why these franchises get stuck where they are year after year. Well, after wait, decade. Greg, he, he stepped down because of the embarrassment of what happened. Like there was no, like, that's not losing to the Knicks three years in a row. That's your wife getting caught with burners and talking about players on your roster. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's not the same thing. What do you mean? How are you shrugging your shoulders at that? That is not the same thing. Losing, losing on a bounce or a play here or a bad Bennett Salvatore call is not being embarrassed yourself embarrassing your family, embarrassing your dad's legacy, uh, not just your own, and embarrassing the league in a lot of ways. Fair point. I, I think what I think one I think Lace larger point is just saying that the, the bad teams stay bad, right? And there's a lack of stability in a lot of these organizations that But they're keep, not bad. No, I'm not saying they're bad, but they're I, I don't see that like look they're a mess. They're 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 a playoff team, but they're an absolute mess. Come on, George, they are a mess. Look okay. what Josh Richardson was saying about Brett Brown after the game. I, like Josh Richardson okay, is literally but, but saying that the guy there's no accountability in this locker room. Like right, and and they and how long have they held on to Brett Brown? That's another thing. Yes, they they're throwing Brett Brown under the bus, and it's shitty what they're doing to him. But why are you keeping this guy around? He's a dinosaur. Like who's um, a, I don't think. Okay, first of all, you're. While I agree with you that, and it's what I alluded to earlier about uh, Embiid and Simmons kind of tuning him out, um, I think a lot of that is because they view him as the guy who got them through the process, right? Like, they still look at him as, like, the high school coach or the college coach. They don't look at him as, like, the finished product in that sense. Like, they look at him and they're like, eh, they just lost respect for him. But it's because of the country club attitude that you're referring to. Um, it's not that he doesn't know basketball because they're I don't think definitely he know knows basketball. how to coach basketball. Anybody, like, well, not any just... NBA coach knows basketball. Okay, but, but I, you made it seem like he doesn't. Like, I don't know. I coaching junior high. You know? I will like, say that when you're down 14 in the fourth quarter and you throw out Embiid and Horford to try to get you back in the game, like that says a lot about his coaching style and 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 his. You what, mean today? Yeah. Well, what else does he have? Listen, <laughs> come on. Anything is better than a, when you're down 14 and you need threes and you need to come back and there's four minutes left in the game and they were actively trying to win the game because they had their starters in. Like that's a that's not a good. But are we arguing? Hold, hold on. Wait, 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 hold on. George, no, 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 wait, George, wait, on. wait, wait, wait. Are, are we arguing out. minutia here? Aren't we? Arguing I, I don't want to argue minutia, but this is ridiculous. Okay. Who on that roster did you want on the floor that wasn't on the floor? Anybody who could shoot a three. Oh, no, that's eight. not an answer. Stop. Stop. That's not an answer. I, honestly, I'd rather – Look at the five that were on the floor. I'd rather Thibel be out there. I'd rather Thibel be out there or Alex, Bur Alex Burke be out there. Thibel literally hits the backboard when he shoots threes. Okay. It's better than having Horford and Embiid together Stop. on the court. You're they wrong. Can't. You're wrong. They, you don't dude, know they, what you're talking Horford about. Horford and Embiid cannot play together, and their offense comes to a grinding halt And they don't have another – Yes, that's true in the big picture, Alf, but – in this instance today, they don't have another option. Last ditch, 14 <laughs> points down with four minutes ago, you put out two big men, right? Like that can't play well together. As opposed to who? You don't have an answer to that. I said I would rat I would literally rather anybody is not an answer. I said Matisse Thibel or Burke. Ma either one of Matisse those. Matisse Thibel, literally, I'm telling you, hit the okay, backboard. One shot. One shot. That's every game there's a shot like that. Okay, but it, our it, players it, wouldn't have uh, tuned them out if they had a little bit more culture, right? <laughs> okay, whatever. Anyway, long story short is all it's going to take – I look, I, I have a pretty good insight as to what's going to happen there. Clearly, they're going to clean house. Um, there's going to be an, a, a new coach, probably a new GM, 
and there's going to be a person that takes that over that's going to be able, that has a real track record. They're not going to screw around. They already made the mistake of going, we'll give someone a chance for the first time. They are going proven commodity now as far as a roster builder. I can, that's what I'll say. Okay, so let's, let's cycle back here a little bit because I don't want to argue about today's game um, as much because – Hey, that's thing, your boy Alf over there. No, no. Beca- no because bully Alf, who breaks to bully people around here. No, because this was, this was over. Damn right. Oh, th- this was over, okay, and Brett Brown was out before today even happened. Yes. To me, to me, to me yes. this argument is, is not about today. It's not even about this series. It's a grander argument that we've been having now for four years about organizational approach, okay? And, and we can talk about all the things that went wrong for Philadelphia after Hinky started the process, and, and I get that. But the, the bigger point that's being made, and, and I'm going to need Greg to hike up his mic a little because we're having trouble hearing him, um, is that the bigger point that is made is Philadelphia took an approach that was totally counter to anything that and any team in this organ, in the association's ever done. Okay. I mean, to this degree, other teams have tanked, but not set us out on a, on a tanking platform for a period of years. Okay. Which is what they basically publicly, did. publicly, 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 they went about and did this. And then basically let's just be honest, fuck the whole thing up. Now we can talk about whether it was, it was, uh, you know, the commissioner jumping in and getting rid of Hinky in the middle of the process. But look, Hinky was not perfect. Okay, not even close in terms okay, of the players Ethan, that he picked. What, okay, it, this was the point I was trying to make before Alf interrupted me. What um, the hell, bro? Like we were talking about <laughs> Brett Brown. He sucks. So, see, but there you go. You say things like that. He sucks. He doesn't suck. He you sucks. don't coach in the NBA if you suck. But it I mean, doesn't we're matter talking, for the purposes of this like, argument. Let me tell you we're talking about. In, in, let me in relative terms. Okay, let's get off of Brett Brown. Like, okay, I get it. But let me answer Ethan's question. He's going to be next to you on the jump next year. <laughs> he, he might. I don't know. Um, but, the, well, I, I, I will say this. There's only like three coaches in the time I've covered the NBA that I'm like, they have no business being in the NBA, and he's not one of them. But anyway, um, and I will not reveal the other ones. Ethan knows one of them because I told him the story over the weekend. Um, so... Wow, Ron Rothstein catching strays out of nowhere. To your question, Ethan, that's what you get for being a bully on Twitter. Um, That's while I'm trying to do a radio show. You're like tweeting me in the middle of my God forsaken radio show while I'm trying to multitask. Anyway, um, to answer your question, Ethan, Hinky realized the draft is a bit of a crapshoot, okay? Much like, for example, and again, I'm not comparing him to Bill Belichick, but like Bill Belichick's approach of trading out of the first round, right? Because... He feels like there's more value that way. So Hinky's thing was, I'm just going to accumulate picks. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to miss on some, and I'm gonna, but I'm going to hit on at least a couple. And if I get at least a couple, I've got the core of what I need moving forward, which he accomplished. Yeah, but the, the issue is being able to maximize those players and actually like put together a roster that complements itself in a way that can, can actually get to the mountaintop. And I think that that's the underrated part of this is that essentially you have a lot of teams that can assemble a lot of assets. I've heard the Minnesota Timberwolves are all of a sudden a great, exciting young team in years past. The Phoenix Suns are the hot new, you know, new team. The Sixers are that team. Um, but these franchises just over and over again show that they make bad decisions. They pull the plug on coaches too soon, pull the plug on maybe general managers too soon, and then also just can't necessarily put together the right pieces to surround these guys and maximize them. So that was like in 2017 when I was saying I would still rather be the Heat is that from top down, I feel like the decision-making that will take place, generally speaking, history tells me that a Pat Riley-led organization is going to fare better than these these cats that uh, no, have you, you, what you were doing then was being a blind homer because Pat Riley lost his mind for two off seasons. And listen, this is a man I don't have. There is not a person in basketball that I have more respect for. When I saw him at Levitard's wedding, I spoke to him for thirty minutes, and it might have been the most enjoyable time I had at the wedding, and it was a fun wedding. Okay, but. He lost his mind. Even he's admitted as such. Okay, let's not act like he has totally. come out and said that. No, he they were made totally mistakes. mistakes. They were okay? mistakes. So that, let, but... let's not act like he no. got lucky that Jimmy and Brett didn't get along. That's the reality of all of this. If Jimmy doesn't get along, gets along with Brett, Jimmy is still in Philadelphia, and the Heat are still trying to p- play Justice Winslow. 
Okay. Maybe, but also when you build this type of organization and you have guys like Dwayne and CB and others that will go to bat for you in league circles, like why do you think Jimmy was enamored with Miami and like was a magnet to that organization? Dwayne co-signed that when he was in Chicago. So I feel like some of this, it, it transcends just each transaction in itself. Well, I think where, where Greg and I were in 2017 or 2000, whenever we started having this argument, which has been fucking fantastic and really fun, by the way. I, I, I really want everybody to understand that Sedato and I and Leif and all, we don't all hate each other. Like, we enjoy this stuff. Like, it's, it's wrestling. We're all walking out there like Hogan with our ears to the crowd. Sedano walks in with a heel, hisses with a steel chair. It's fun right? It's sports. Like, we're not, nobody's angry. A lot of you guys are out there, uh, F. Sedano, calm down. Like, listen, Sedano is one of, like, the only people in the national media that's, that backs the heat consistently. So, let's just get out of the way. Now, here's where Sedano's wrong. Um, in 2017, but we had this argument. One of the, the things that uh, Leif and I were always trying to say is, no matter, the, despite the fact that Pat Riley made mistakes, we trust the Miami Heat to be able to fix those mistakes because of their track record. Like we just trust in this organization because I've been watching basketball for 40 years, basically. And all I've watched is bad teams stay bad as, as, as long as they have the same ownership and the same management. So I just don't trust these teams to ever fix the mistakes. Okay, but what, what I would say to you, Alf, is this, okay? That I don't think Philadelphia's ownership is bad. I think that they're, they're young, they're aggressive, um, they've also had some crappy luck, right? We just talked about the Colangelo thing. They had. We just talked about the heat luck. Luck is part of all of this. No, 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 right? no, no. I, I understand that. But what I'm saying to you is there are a lot of ways to lose a GM, okay? In, including a legacy GM. Very few times in the history of any sport have, has a GM been lost because his wife had three burner accounts ripping people within the organization. But I think, I think more of the, our argument was against Hinky and the whole losing and the process and just the entire, the, the entire well, methodology of it. Like I, it it's radical. I'm with you. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. But these are human beings. I think the point that Al's making, and this is the same issue I had to a degree with what the Dolphins were doing, but I actually think what the Dolphins did was a little more systematic. Uh, and they would be able to dig out of it easier is when you create this culture of losing and then you don't, my big issue. And I remember having Malik Rose on uh, my show on Bleacher Report radio that I used to do with Howard Beck. And the problem that Malik Rose had with what they're, and I think Malik Rose ended up joining the organization. He did. He, he did. He did. But at the time, one of the problems he had with what they were doing was because they didn't have any vets in the room. So they kept bringing in young players who had nobody to set examples for them. They have no sustained culture in Philadelphia, so you don't have the Alonzo Mornings or the Keith Haskins or those types who are still around. And so there was just nobody to show any the young players the way. And I think we've seen that now because the only two guys that they hit on, George, were two guys, first thing, who had to sit out a whole year uh, in Embiid and in Simmons, right? And those two guys, in their own way, have issues. I mean, Embiid doesn't seem to get along, play well with others, Okay. And Simmons, and I think this was Jimmy's big issue there, at least from a playing perspective, Simmons is more interested in the other shit that comes with being an NBA player than he is with, with actually being a superstar. And there's no one there. there. There's no vets. And the one year that they did something, well, they brought in Bellinelli. They brought in Ilyasova. At least, I mean, they brought in some vets who'd actually accomplished JJ. something. They had JJ. They had JJ Redick. Okay. And then, and then those guys leave and you don't have anybody. So, I, the bigger point, and I don't want to – I want to get to the heat with you and I want to get to the Lakers. I don't want to spend all this time on, on Philadelphia. We, we brought you on for this reason, obviously. But, but the bigger point is this. Do you think that another team – because I know what you think of the heat. But do you think another team should even try this again? I mean, I mean is this, is this proven to be a systemic is. failure, essentially? I mean, I think that – I think you, you can try it. I think – I would – I think that it just depends on the situation, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like – if you're Minnesota and, you know, and let's say Carl Anthony Towns leaves you in free agency, um, whenever that, or, or demands a trade or whatever, then maybe you reboot it. You know what I mean? Like they've already only made the playoffs once in 15 years. You know what I'm saying? So like how much harder would it be to be back? I think um, they're doing it right now. I feel. Yeah. Like. I mean, right. In <laughs> essence. Um, so I think it just depends. What I would say to you is this, the difference between Hinky and let's say a Daryl Morey, um, who is basically who Hinky learned from 
is that Daryl did the stuff you're talking about. His team still had veteran guys, right? His teams were also probably a little better balanced. He wasn't as extreme, but I, I think that um, I do think that someone else will try it, just not not exactly the way as they went about it. I think it's yeah. the blatant, I think it's and Jack Alfonso, Alfonso Hoops on Twitter pointed this out, and it's just the fact that he shoved it in the NBA's face. Right, that doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. Like yeah. they they have to maintain some competitive, at least a, a semblance of competitive balance, even if we all know what's really going on. Like that, you can't just flaunt the fact that you're trying to lose in the NBA's face. They're not going to stand for it. And by the way, I, I only bring up Minnesota as an example, right? Like I'm not saying that that's what they're going to do, but uh, you know, the, you know, Gerson is also a Maury disciple, much like Hinky mm. was. Um, and if if Towns were to leave he probably would have no other recourse, to be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, I know Kevin Garnett's trying to buy the team with a group, but it's not like, uh, you know, just because Kevin Garnett's there, guys are going to be like, yeah, I want to go to Minnesota in free agency. Like, that's probably not going to happen um, unless they can build a, a, you know. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Winning program again. Um, So to answer your question, I think if someone did it, they would do it but it would be a modified version of it. The mm-hmm. f- listen, you're going to, when you're making and a shorter an omelet, version, yeah. yeah. When you're making an omelet, you're going to break eggs, man. Like that's just the reality of it, especially if you've never done it before. So I think that the, the Sixers situation is, was radical at first, but I understood it was, I thought then headed on the right path with the Colangelo family. And then that thing, <laughs> you know, went crazy for reasons beyond anyone's real control. Well, except the Colangelo yeah. family. Sounds like know. a lack of culture. The Colangelo family. In the family. Listen, right? yeah. the Colangelo family, I mean, they're not Pat Riley, but it's not like, I mean, they literally restarted and rebooted Team USA for us to win golds again. Right. Let's not yeah, act like yeah. there's some, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're like nobodies in the basketball world. Um, Bunch of bums. Yeah. So we would, we, would, we would still be losing in gold medal games if it wasn't for them. Um, so, um, but anyway, I just think that, I think that there's still an, look, with Embiid and Simmons, you have a 25 and 26 year old star, two guys that are both top 15 players in the league who I still think have, have heights that they can hit. I don't think they've hit their ceiling. So if you get a real architect of rosters in there, who then hires a real coach, right? Who, and again, I'm not trying to knock Brett, but someone with actual championship experience right or p- deep playoff experience like what the lakers did with vogel this year right they hired vogel they could have hired jason kidd that was the sexy name i'm sure lebron would have loved it but they went out of the box and said let's go vogel vogel's been a successful coach yes he hasn't won a championship but he's been a, su- a successful coach in this league so you can find someone like that um and say to yourself this person can get these two guys to understand what it takes to go deep into the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. And, and be a, a coach, a teacher, uh, a mentor, uh, be a hard ass if he's got to be, you know? Like that's what the next person who constructs the roster and is gonna be in charge of that organization needs to do. And if they do that, they're still gonna be a contender for the Eastern Conference and potentially a championship. Um, it's not like, you know, if someone else comes in new, they got to trade Horford to Alf's point, but you know, again, I'm not trying to argue about today, but I just think today they didn't have any options, but Horford, you were right in the sense of, and that's what I was trying to say earlier in the big picture sense, it doesn't make sense, but Horford, I think can be traded because I think that there are young teams that want an Al Horford because the, all they've got is a bunch of young guys on the roster. And again, I, I am just recklessly speculating here. I am not saying that this is going to happen, but I could see Joe Dumars in Sacramento now going, you know what? We could use an Al Horford. We don't have a reliable big man um, mm-hmm. who can do the big man stuff in today's game, stretch the floor, rebound, box out, you know, set screens like that. 
because Giles is young and also, look, they're still trying to figure out what his health situation is going to be moving forward. Um, Bagley's health situation hasn't been great, right? So just having a veteran presence in that locker room, like Har to add to Harrison Barnes, I think would be good uh, for an organization like that. And, you know, there's no secret that Buddy Heald is not happy there. You know, they, the Philadelphia would probably, in this imaginary scenario, have to throw in a, another pick, a pick too. But that could solve a lot of your problems. You know what I mean? Like, I can create scenarios where the Sixers can be pretty good right away. All right. So we're going to switch to the heat real quick. And then Alf's got to go. And Greg and I are going to finish this thing up. Uh, but will you say so – Alf was literally just here to fight with me? That's all you that, brought that, him that, in that, for? That, yeah. That, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, but can, I mean, for the love of God. <laughs> Well, for the love of God, that's five. Good radio. Words. It's good that's, radio, man. That, that's five words. For the love of God. There's another five-word phrase that became very popular on Twitter. I'd, let's do this together. I'd, I'd rather, rather be, be the, the Sixers. Sixers. Pete. <laughs> well, look, look, the way I will end this conversation is this. Um. Until there are banners hoisted in one of those two arenas. Oh, uh, no. No, you no, can't wait, do that. Wait, wait, wait. Are you, you going to let Only me finish? Only one team wins the championship every year, George. Okay, so, again, the original conversation was I thought the Sixers championship window was closer than the Heats, okay? Mm -hmm. That's still not inaccurate, to be honest with you. Um, but, but almost. Eh, I don't no, know. I think it is inaccurate. Yeah. I think it's it just got swept. I just told you they're one move away from potentially being. Well, right yeah, back but the Heater one move away from the one move away from dominating the East right now. I mean, I mean that's dominating the East. Like, I mean, listen. if it's if it's Bradley Beal I mean. or Giannis. <laughs> okay, yeah, but again, you have to hope that that happens. Like that's not a given. Like you can trade Al Horford. That's that that is not an immo We've learned that there are no immovable contracts. Well, yeah, but see, like the whole thing with the Heat was is everyone said they had no assets, no flexibility, no draft picks, and they couldn't make the moves. Well, now they're about to approach two off seasons where they have max cap space, they have young talent, like so they're really set up to to have flexibility to make these moves so i feel like the window has shortened for philly in a lot of ways because of the re that no, is required where miami is kind of has the pieces no, in place man. and just needs that one more creator to kind of get them over the hump you can't say that a team that was predicted to be potentially in the nba finals uh just because they got swept out of one round or you know because their second best player was injured um and that they didn't have any shooting because of a crappy roster construction. You can't say that if they don't make the one right move, that all of a sudden they're not going to be back to the point where everybody thought they were going to be this year. That seems silly. Um, and regards to the Heat, look, if the Heat win a champion, let me just make my point before Ethan rudely interrupted me. Um, the whole point was somebody's got to hoist a banner, and I thought Philly was closer. And I don't think that that has been – determined yet to be honest with you because neither team has hoisted a, uh, a banner at this point so and by the way if the heat end up being the one hoisting the banner i'm gonna be the one popping champagne in my house so i don't give a crap um so and if the sixers win then i could just say i was right okay win -win. So you I, put yourself in this win-win situation i don't lose leave it to sedano to do yeah to play to play both sides here all right let's switch i know alf's got to go so alf you go uh, George, I want to transition to something heat related with you. The last thing I'll say is George is wrong. That's fine. Go. Love right, you, George. Out, out of here. You do <laughs> the manscape dad tomorrow. Um, All right. I, I, I promised that I would talk about something specific uh, on Twitter today on the pod, which was uh, a little bit of information that I've kind of been gathering about the types of players that Jimmy Butler wants to play with. We, we've talked about some of this stuff before, Greg. Um, I want to throw a name at you, uh, George, and you tell me how you think he would fit. Kyle Lowry. Oh, he's perfect. Yeah, he's perfect. He is, he is exactly what they need. The Heat don't have um, a guy that can defend point guards and defend smaller guards in general. Um, he's amazing at that. He, it's crazy. He went from being the guy that was bad in the playoffs forever mm -hmm. to being the guy that you're like, Man, how can you not want that guy in that battle? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so happy for him because he's such a good dude. And, yeah, he's exactly what you want. Um, 
I'm just curious to see, look, Masai is always a step ahead of everybody. You know what I mean? So could he deal him? Maybe. Um, I don't know, though. Masai wants to win. And he likes Pascal's trajectory. He likes Ananobi's trajectory. I mean, his look, outside of Miami and San Antonio, um, historically, in the Masai era specifically, you could talk about Toronto being right there with those two teams. Actually, I, mean, I, think that, I think they're ahead of San Antonio now. Now they are, yes. But I'm saying, like, historically. You know what I mean? Because yeah. even Colangelo did a decent job of developing guys mm-hmm. um, prior to Masai. Do you um, think he would have the nerve to trade Lowry, though? Because, like, I, I see, like, Raptors Twitter talk about building Kyle, Kyle Lowry statues. So it'd Yeah, be- I, I, I don't – I mean, I think Masai – clearly the DeRozan thing will show you he'll do whatever he needs to do. That's true. Good point. You know? So – uh, but I would find it harder to believe that he would um, not – he would have to get something really valuable, I think, in return. I don't but think – but, but, but it could just be about money, George, uh, because if you, if you look at their situation, they've got to pay Van Vliet. Um, what, I, what I've heard is that Kyle may not want to kind of share the backcourt with Van Vliet for too long. Um, it's kind of been his backcourt, especially since DeMar left. They, they have Norm Powell. They have, as you mentioned, they love OG's trajectory. They've, they've, they've got Pascal. They have Gasol and Ibaka who are up, and I heard that they want to keep one if they can. Um, I mean, it's a lot of money to throw around, and Lowry's making $27 million. And, and so, I mean, you could get flexible in a hurry if you traded him. I, he's the name, I will say this, every time that I run these kind of bigger names um, by people – in Jimmy's circle, I keep getting Kyle Lowry back. <laughs> uh, it, it's just, it's interesting. Like I, what I've been told is, you know, Donovan Mitchell doesn't do enough other than score. Um, you know, that you take a look at, uh, you know, some of the other guys that have been talked about drew holiday. I know he has a lot of fondness for, but the reason I keep bringing up with Jimmy is when Jimmy came down, like one of the things that what happened here was we're going to work with you on bringing in the right team around you. Like, he's going to have a say, and he's earned a say this year with the way he's competed. Mm-hmm. When you look at the rest of the names, George, and, and then uh, I want to transition with you real quick to the West. When you look at the rest of the names, is there – I mean, would you make a play for Oladipo after what you just saw? No. Absolutely not. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be the guy. Like, well, look, the good thing about him is he's going to hit free agency after next exactly. season, right? I mean, you might be able to get him discounted at this point if he says he wants out of Indy. Yeah. So I think that there's that, but I would not take that risk for anything that is valuable on your roster. Uh, I'm looking at Toronto's cap sheet right now mm-hmm. and they have 86 million committed on the books without Gasol, Ibaka or Van Vliet. Um, so they're going to pay Van Vliet. Van Vliet is probably going to make in the 20 low $20 million range. Yes. So that's 106. Let's just call it 108. Just to, let's say it's 22. Um, Norman Powell's under contract. So if they keep one of Ibaka or whatever, that's another 20. Now, they would be right back, Ethan. They would be around the number they're at right now if they only keep one of Ibaka and Gasol and keep um, Van Vliet. So I I don't – I'm not as – I have not heard that. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, here's what I can do. Um, You know, had you – I wish you would have asked me, uh, like, if you would have texted me that before, and I probably could have reached out to some people and had better information for you about what I'm hearing in regards to that. Um, so I will do some homework. Okay. And uh, for my fifth appearance on the Five Reasons Sports right. platform. With no Alf I, this time. That's right. I, with Alf. No, I love Alf. Um, <laughs> but the, I will have better information on that. I will do some homework on that. How about right. that? Well, he, here's a couple other things I've heard. Um, the, the infatuation with Oladipo may be overstated. Um, I... I Oh, no, the infatuation is not with Oladipo, Miami with Oladipo. My understanding is – It's Oladipo with Miami. Correct. Oladipo – it's more Oladipo with Miami than Miami Miami. with Oladipo. It's it's not necessarily Miami to Oladipo. And the the infatuation with Donovan Mitchell is more coming from the Bam Adebayo side of the the two pillars in Miami than Jimmy, as I understand it. Yes, Bam. Bam is a big fan of Donovan's. Correct. Um, I, I don't think that's as much Jimmy. I, 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 if you look at the types of players that Jimmy's going to want to play with, the types of guys like Drew Holiday and Kyle Lowry jump to the top of the list. Low maintenance, okay, in a lot of different ways. Tough, physical, defenders, 
okay, who can help you run an offense and can make a shot. Like that, that is both mm-hmm. of those guys fit the profile. I'll go to you on this because I know you have a relationship with Griff, as do I. Do you think that New Orleans will move Drew Holiday because his timeline, and they got a lot of decisions too, Brandon Ingram, et cetera, his timeline does not necessarily match up with Zion's? Uh, I think for the right price. But he's not going to give him away for nothing either, right? You know what I'm saying? Like much like Masai, I think that he's going to want to he's going to want to get something in return because the way he looks at it is, you are um, you're getting a player. Um, well, I guess he'll probably opt out, right? Um, well, maybe not anymore. You know what I mean? Like this pandemic has changed the finances in it's a lot of ways. Very true, and we don't know. There's so much we don't know. Right. So I don't know what the cap is going to look like. I don't know. Like those questions are hard, Ethan, because of that. I will just say this, having had not necessarily direct conversations with David Griffin, but having had conversations about Drew Holiday around the league, the sense is that there were plenty of people asking for his availability, but what New Orleans was going to receive in those conversations was not enough for David Griffin's liking. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right, final thing before we let you go, and we'll do this one quick, and then Greg and I are going to get to uh, – I can't talk about the heat. Like, all we're talking about is, is transactions and the Sixers. That's where I was going to go with this, okay? okay. I'm, I'm not going to engage you on Laker talk. Uh, the Heat are up 3-0 in this series. I feel like this is a foregone conclusion at this point, which is why we really haven't talked about it tonight. Um, but uh, give me uh, what your upside is for them now that you've seen them in the bubble because you and I, I think, are – in alignment on a lot of the things that we expected to see in the bubble. And a lot of those things have played out, including Goron uh, playing well, including, you know, who Spolster was going to trust, including the young legs and heroes development. Uh, But I mean, has your view of where they can go changed? Um, I have been a proponent that they can at the very least push Milwaukee deep into the series and I have been a big proponent on radio and television that if it gets to a seventh game, I'll take my chances with Miami in that situation. Um, but I think that that's where this is headed. Um, and look, I just look at their roster and I say to myself, how many guys, how many teams have multiple guys that they can throw at Giannis? Okay. And if you look around the NBA, there is. Miami, there is Toronto, right, in the Eastern Conference. I, I don't even look – I don't even think Boston is in that category. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like Milwaukee runs over Boston every time they play them. Um, so, really, there's only – even though Miami has struggled with Boston, so it's weird, right? Like and Boston has also had pretty good games against Toronto. So, it's just kind of weird the way people match up. But, you know, I, Philly – you know, Elton Brand, if you – to go back to them for a second – his goal, or at least the way he talked about it, is that he built this team to try to stop Giannis. Uh, he didn't even get anywhere near Giannis, so there's that. Um, but I just think that Miami and Toronto, or Miami and Toronto, yes, specifically, are built to to guard him. Obviously, there's Bam, and look, in the first two matchups, I think Bam held him to 35 percent in the 23 possessions um, or the 20, 23 attempts that Giannis attempted over Bam. Um, obviously, Jimmy can guard him some. Obviously, Iguodala can guard him some. Uh, obviously, Crowder can guard him some. Like, they've got guys that they can throw at him um, that I think can be effective. So, I, I, I think that that's the thing. Like, we've seen Orlando with a lot – worse roster at times get themselves either a win or back in games because they have a good defensive coach in Steve Clifford and they devise a plan. And here's the one thing that Clifford did that I think Eric should look at is because look, clearly we all know, everyone knows the book on Giannis, build a wall, right? Build a wall. You got to meet him, uh, you know, above the, you know, actually, you know, it used to be meet him at the above the free throw line. Now you got to meet him above the break, I think, personally. Um, but what I liked from Clifford and Orlando in that first game 
he started trapping Middleton. And Middleton was like, what is happening here? Like, I have no idea what this is like. And it threw them off, like, completely. And, you know, not to say he didn't build the wall against Giannis or whatever, but when Middleton had the ball, they trapped him hard. And I think that that's something Eric should look at. And, again, the Heat have these components, right, that they can do this. Eric has got a lot of versatility with this particular lineup. And I think that the, the layoff is actually something that's been beneficial to the Heat because it allowed Andre Iguodala to be more in tune with the way the Heat want to conduct business, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. Um, offensively, I felt like he always kind of understood what Eric was trying to do. But defensively, it's not until you're there that you really get a feel for what they do. Um, and Andre, again, is arguably the smartest player in the league. So, um, and so I, I knew he'd get along with Spo. But it felt like he was a little, you know, kind of playing, trying to play catch up. He hadn't played in a long time, learning a new system. All that was going to be really tough. But now it feels like he is seamlessly part of what they're doing. And it's funny because I still see people on Heat Twitter bemoaning when he's out there. And if you don't know why he's out there, you just don't know basketball. Hashtag learn the game. All right. Hashtag I still miss you, Spoon. Um, <laughs> so, spoon reference. Yeah. Oh, so boy. I that's what I would say is that he is even at 36 years old, he knows what he's supposed to do. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of in 2006 when the heat had Gary Payton and GP was not anywhere near the GP. He once was, he may not even have been the glove anymore at that stage, but he had veteran savvy and he understood the angles. And in this case, Iguodala is still way more athletic than GP was at that stage and has way more length to play with that allows him to kind of make up for some of that lack of explosion or athleticism that he may have had even a year or two ago. All right, so, well, well, but, but I, I have two other names for you that, that you and I both know. The two names I've used are Marley and Battier. That they're just guys who, when they're right. out there, it's like they don't really have to score, but they just kind of make things work, right? It, just because they're always in the right place or getting the ball to the guy who's in the right place. So, yeah, I mean, Shane was the no stats all-star, right? The New York Times had that piece when he was with the Rockets and Daryl Morey and those guys, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think he's perfect. And I think that he's pretty much going to be in 90% of the closing lineups, um, depending on matchups and situations. And, you know, you're going to have Bam and Jimmy and him and Goran and a shooter. And maybe it's Tyler. Uh, maybe it's Duncan. Um, although Hero seems to be – more, um, I think, versatile because you have another ball handler on the floor and he's become a better passer, even though that Milwaukee game was just a complete abomination. I felt like he had like five or six straight turnovers uh, in that game. Um, I, I think that he, and clearly he's not afraid of the moment, right? He was their third leading scorer in the fourth quarter this year for a reason. And so I, I think that Tyler will probably be heavily involved there. I saw Jay, I guess, in that last game uh, close instead of Tyler. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I think it just depends on if you need defense or not. So Eric's got a lot of options, but I think that they're capable. And I think Toronto is certainly capable of beating Milwaukee. Um, I still think that if Milwaukee, if Giannis can, can hit shots consistently enough where you have to guard him out there, then that changes things. He's hit him at a good percentage. He's just not hitting the volume and he's taking more. Now he went two of two in that first half the other night. Uh, or the other day, I'm used to saying night. And, uh, and that, that changed things. So from game to game, though, I don't think you can trust that type of consistency, though, from him. And I think that that's where they're in trouble, is that even at this stage, he's still a work in progress on offense, even though he is an undeniable freak of nature athletically. Imagine what Rob Fedor could do with him shooting as a shooting coach down in Miami. Hint, hint. Culture, sorry, had to do it. Hint, hint, Giannis Bam T-shirt, which, uh, which we're gonna we're gonna start well, getting out there. We're gonna send you, you wanna, one of us wearing ESPN. If you want to talk about Giannis, I think that beyond Milwaukee, the suitors are fairly obvious, right? Like it's, it's, it's Miami, it's Golden State, it's Toronto, it's the Lakers. Those and are the four teams nah, that are. Gonna... I'll throw in one more. This, to me, it's those four, and it's Dallas. 
You, you know what? You mentioned that to me the other day on the thing on the podcast we did, and I, I still don't understand your reasoning for Dallas. Why? Uh, because he could play with Just another Luka? top five player in the world. Okay. And, okay. and, 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 okay. and whose who's game, I, I think, in a lot of ways actually fits him because Luke is such a great distributor um, and, and also obviously a plus shooter from range, as we saw tonight. Uh, one of the more ridiculous shots you'll ever see at the end of a game. I, to me, and personality-wise, they seem to fit. Um, they are, my understanding, they already have a bit of a relationship. And personality-wise, they seem to fit. I mean, some of it comes down to their cap sheet, but you figure it out to get Giannis. I, I would throw them in the mix, too. But I, I've been saying Miami, Toronto, Golden State. Um, I did talk to somebody today who told me it's going to be – if it leaves Milwaukee, it's going to be Miami or Toronto. I mean, that, I can see the, either. The, yeah. the, those are the two I hear – I hear, uh, hear most consistent. See, I, I, I think that a lot of people I know say, think that Golden State is a legitimate option. I, I, can, I can see that. And I think sometimes we don't hear it as much because you're on the other coast. All right, George, we appreciate it. We're up against it. Uh, thanks for coming on. You didn't say we'd rather be this. I'd rather be the Sixers. So I failed in that regard. But, um, you know, maybe at some point in the future. So... <laughs> Thank All right. I will come appearance. back and do fifth it. appearance. I need Kyle Lowry information. I will okay? have Kyle Lowry info for you on the fifth appearance. I will have All it right. for you. All right. See you Greg at the parade I... on Biscayne. That's right. <laughs> All right, guys. See you. Thanks, George. All right. Greg and I are going to close this up in a second. But before we do, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That's our friend, Dr. Jonathan Chung at Chiropractic Keystone. Actually, it's Keystone Chiropractic, but the website is chiropractickeystone.com. A bulging disc probably isn't why your back and neck hurt. Bulging discs can, can, are used to be blamed for all types of spine pain. But the truth is, if you're over the age of 30, you probably have a bulging disc and don't even know it. That's because most bulging discs don't cause any pain at all. When it comes to pain, you're more than just a picture from your MRI. Many patients with back pain or neck pain can become pain-free, even though your MRI looks exactly the same. If your doctor is blaming all of your pain on a bad disc, Make sure you get second opinions from healthcare providers that have a strong focus on rehab. Get more health tips like this and more by following Keystone Neuro, that's on Twitter, Keystone Neuro, N-E-U-R-O, or at Dr. Jonathan Chung on Twitter and Instagram. All right, coming back, we were going to devote more time to this, but we went a little bit long with George. You want to do a guts check, Greg, or you want to hold it? No, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready. All right, today's guts check. I think everybody needs to get a grip. You got to stay together if you got the guts and you don't find the first door and run out of it. There are no obstacles. There's no obstacles. All there are are accusations and opinions. We have done this since 1995. We'll find out what we're made of here if you got the guts. This is Guts Check with Greg Sylvander. Okay, so I'm going to make this one relatively easy, and we're just going to look through a catalog of old tweets and see some old takes that we were able to expose earlier today as it relates to the Miami Heat. Um, so I'm going, to, I'm going to go through these kind of rapid fire. We're not going to spend too much time unpacking each one, but it's just fun to read them in retrospect. So this one comes from January 12, 2016. Kyle says, how long until we can start talking about how bad of a trade that was by the Heat to get Goran Dragic? The next one on 221.15 from Crossover. Bad trade. Norris Cole is better than Dragic. Pat Riley is a fool. The next one comes February 19th, 2015. Now the Heat have nothing on the bench. Bad trade. Lost their bench in both first-round picks. Dragic isn't worth any of that. They panicked. Hold on. It gets better. And don't worry, Ethan. I'm going to leave yours out of here. Pat Riley, so this is coming from 62119. So we're approaching free agency, um, the Jimmy Butler free agency, mind you. Pat Riley, satisfied with his last few years of mediocrity and not good enough, but not bad enough purgatory. And lastly, we're going to go to myself, where I said the Heat. The Heat will win a fourth title before the Sixers win one with any member of any process. Save this tweet, screenshot it, etc. Management. That was from 323.18. I am conveniently leaving out some of the other ones um, where I called culture BS and I was extremely upset about 
uh, the Rodney Magruder cut, which then uh, enabled them to bring in Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson, right? Is, is Basically, that how that worked? Base, yeah, kind of, kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah, you are leaving those out. I had those bookmarked for you. There was another <laughs> one that was sent to me today, and I, I will read mine, okay? I'll do it before we go here because – I feel like that's only fair, but our guy Adam over at Clutch NBA found this one for me. This was from you. Heat need the, the next young stud uh, to be the anchor of the next era. The involuntary tank is the only way to get that. That's from December 15th, 2014. Ooh, so that one that hurts. I, I will read mine. I will read mine because you threw this out here today. Let me find it. I'm sorry. I, I got to give the context because, you know, all of a sudden, I'm, it's, if it goes to old takes, look, Mike Ryan found it. If it goes to gold take, uh, old takes exposed, I'm totally screwed. But let me find your, uh, let me find it. It's in here somewhere. You, you threw me on your I was trying. I was trying to leave it out, man. You no, you th- you threw it in here. I'm trying to find it. It was my Jimmy Butler tweet from 2018. Here it was. This was tweeted out of frustration because this damn process was taking so long. If you remember, November 3rd, 2018, I tweeted Jimmy Butler dot 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 issues with key teammates in Chicago, issues with key teammates in Mini, which most there believe he caused, or at least that's what I was told at the time. Stages a charade in concert with ESPN. Kind of did. Remember when Rachel Nichols just happened to show up in Minnesota that night? Now won't play back-to-backs and do $42 million at age 33 with extension. At this point, comma, pass. But I said at this point, and a few months later, I was pushing for a Jimmy Butler trade because the circumstances have changed. So that's how I'm getting myself off the hook with that one. I Everybody, can't believe I said they should have tanked. I'm never going to live that down. Involuntary tank. Involuntary tank. All right. Thanks to everybody for joining us. We'll do another guts check uh, next week. We're going to have a live pod uh, after the game. On, well, not a live stream. We're going to do a live stream before the game, before game four, uh, which is at 6.30 p.m. So we'll be on at 6. And then we're going to do a podcast afterwards. Thanks to George for joining us. Thanks to Al for joining us. And then Bolting, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.